Welcome to KMTT. Today's shiur in Parshat HaShavua will be given by Rabbi Jonathan Snowbell. In this week's Parsha, we read about Paraduma. Our first meeting with Paraduma, if not in the Chumash itself, but at least as far as Chazal viewed it, is much earlier on in the Torah, in Shmot Perak Tetvav, in Mara, shortly after Kriyat Yamsuf. The Pasuk says, Sham sam lo chok mishpat v'sham nisau. The word chok, which chok was given to Bnei Israel at this point, Rashi comments, based on Seder Olam Zuta, Bimara natan lahem miktzat parshiot shel Torah shit askubahem, Shabbat, ufara aduma vidinim. Shabbat seems to be a very relevant thing to be discussing at this point in time. We know, according to Chazal, that there was a concept of Shabbat even during the Shiabud in Mitzrayim. After this parasha, Bnei Israel are going to be given the man six days of the week and not on Shabbat. So Shabbat is relevant at this point in time. Dinim, the laws that govern Ben Adam, L'chavero, clearly are relevant at all times. But Paraduma seems to be out of place here. Paraduma, seemingly, is the process that is taken in order to remove Tumat Met from a person, in order so that they should be able to go into the Mishkan or the Mikdash. Now, of course, at this point in history, after Yitzhak Mitzrayim, just after Kriyat Yamsuf, there is no Mishkan. And therefore, the idea of Tumat Met and the need to be mitaher from Tumat Met seems irrelevant. Why would Kadosh Baruch Hu give them Parshat Para Aduma at this point? Now, both in Rashi and in the Makor in Seder Olam Zuta, the term Sheet Askubahem appears. The word Esek denotes a non-halachic involvement with Torah. The Maharal and Tiferet Yisrael, commenting on the bracha that we make every day in Birkota Torah, La'asok B'divrei Torah, explains just this idea, that when we learn Torah, we're not necessarily always going to be accurate, and nonetheless, we can still learn Torah and make a bracha on it, because we're being osek B'divrei Torah. So it could be that this is the same idea here by Parshat Parah that we're not interested in learning halacha, we're interested in being osek b'torah. Just as the Tosefta and Sanhedrin says both about ben sorer moreh and ir nidachat, lo aya velo atid liyot, velama nikhtav, lomar drosh vekabel sachar, we see that Torah, even the halachic portions, does not exist solely to teach halacha l'maise. It has in it ideas and concepts and morals that are true, irrelevant of their practicality. So too, it's possible that Paraduma, even as a theoretical framework, was worth learning, and so Bnei Israel did in Mara. A similar but slightly different approach can be developed when looking at the parasha of Paraduma itself. When examining the parasha, we will notice that the tzivui for Paraduma is given, at least initially, in a vacuum. That is to say, when we begin reading the parasha, we have absolutely no idea why this process is happening. Not until Pasuk Yud Aleph do we see any connection to Tumat Met. In contrast, if we open any parasha in Vayikra that addresses a process of Tara, 
from a state of Tumah. And so logically it should be, we will see that, the, that first the Tumah is described, and only afterwards the process of Tara. In our parsha, we find something different and almost illogical. Without discussing any Tumah, the Torah commands the process of slaughtering the Paraduma, sprinkling its blood, burning it with other ingredients, and taking the ashes to create the Meinida. Only in Pasuk Yud Aleph does the Tumat Meit enter the equation, and the need for the Meifer Paraduma to purify the Tumah. The way the Torah presents Paraduma, it would seem that even in the absence of Tumat Meit, even in a utopic world before Chet Adam Rishon, where death does not exist, there is a place for the mitzvah of Paraduma. It is a process which takes place independent of its need vis-a-vis Tumat Meit. For those learning Dafyomi, this might be connected to the Hazaah of the Meinida of the Paraduma on the Kohen Gadol for seven days prior to Yom Kippur. V'dayl Hakima. There is a meaning and a message in the process of Paraduma, which is therefore relevant even in the absence of Tumavatara. And it might be that this is what B'nai Israel were taught in Marah, even before the, exist- the existence of the Mishkan, before the existence of Tumatmet, and the need to be purified from Tumatmet. I have some ideas about what this, these messages may be, but I'll leave this for the listener's imagination to look into the Parsha to see what messages he can get from the first half of Parsha Paraduma. Now when we look at the Parsha Paraduma in the continuum of Sefer Bamidbar, it seems completely out of place. Sefer Bamidbar, before and after, is largely describing the trials and tribulations of B'nai Israel in the Midbar, and suddenly, right in the middle of the Sefer, Parshat Paraduma appears. In general, the Tumah and Tara content of Paraduma would seem to fit better in Sefer Vayikra than here. Of course, if we read closely, we will see that Parshat Paraduma is wedged between two completely different time periods. In Parashat Korach, we read of the continuing quarrels between Am Yisrael on one side, and Moshe Aharon, and ultimately HaKadosh Baruch Hu on the other side. Whether we adopt the position of the Ibn Ezra, who says that Parashat Korach was before Chet HaMeraglim, at the time where Shevet Levi and, and Aharon HaKohen was, were chosen from B'nai Israel, or the position of most Mefarshim, that Parashat Korach took place immediately after Chet HaMeraglim, one of those two, according to either of those positions, Parshat Korach transpired in the second year after Yitziat Mitzrayim. After Parshat Parah in our parasha, we read the following. In Parakaf Pasuk Aleph, Vayavau b'nei Yisrael kol ha'ida midbartzin b'chodesh ha'rishon, vayeshev ha'am b'kadesh, v'tamotsham miriam v'tikaver sham. Rashi based to some extent on Midrash Tanchuma and other Midrashim comments on this Pasuk. Kol ha'eda, eda ha'shlema, shekvar metu metei midbar, ve'elu parshu l'chaim. Rashi comments that kol ha'eda denotes the whole unblemished eda. In other words, B'nai Yisrael who are standing at this point in Perakaf of Sefer Bamidbar, are the new generation. All the people who were to die in the Midbar have died, and now a new generation of B'nai Israel who are going to enter 
Eretz Yisrael are the subject of the story. So in other words, Rashi has informed us that we have quantum leaped 38 years forward. We are no longer in year 2 of Yitziat Mitzrayim, as we were in Parashat Korach, but we are in year 40, approximately a year before the entry into Eretz Yisrael. And as we stressed before, after the Dor Hamidbar has completely died out, and the Dor Hanichnas La'aretz remains. In other words, a new generation has begun. So what has transpired over these 38 years? Why is nothing told of this time? Rav Nachman in Baba Batra, Kufchaf Aleph Amud Aleph, teaches us that there was no direct communication between God and Moshe during this period. So there's nothing to report. So what did happen? Parshat Paraduma happened. That is to say, for 38 years in the desert, as a result of Chetam Eraglim, B'nai Israel buried their dead. That is the significance of this time period. B'nai Israel were meant to go into Eretz Israel immediately. They sinned and did not. So there were no new developments. There was a long, painful period of waiting for the old generation to die out, so that the new generation could start where the old one stalled, and ultimately continue the journey to Eretz Israel. All of this is gently and subtly hinted to in the Torah by Parshat Paraduma. What transpired for 38 years? Death transpired. But this being the case, that Parshat Paraduma sits on the threshold between Dor Yotzei Mitzrayim, who died and could not enter Eretz Israel, and the door that is Nichnas La'aretz, then we are faced with a tremendous question. We would expect to find that this new generation that is permitted and will go into Eretz Yisrael will be of a new and improved caliber in comparison to the previous generation. Do we in fact find this to be true? The first number of encounters seem to give us a negative answer. If we open the first story, Bamidbar Perakaf, we will see the following story. לא מקום זרע ותנה וגפן ורימון ומים עין לשתות. ויבוא משה ואהרון מפני הקהל אל פתח אור המועד, ויפלו על פניהם, וירא כבוד אדוני עליהם. The complaint here is about water. This is not the first time B'nai Israel complain about water. As mentioned in Mara, in Shemot Perk Tetvav, immediately after Kriya Yamsuf, B'nai Israel come to Mara and there's no water. So they complain. Following that shortly, in Shmot Perk Yudzain, in the place that's ultimately called Masao Meriva, once again, B'nai Israel complained that there's no water, there Moshe is forced to hit the rock, and water comes out of the rock, and there's water for B'nai Israel. Later in our Parsha, there is an additional incident with the Nechashim Hasrafim, in Perk Afalif, Sukim, Dalad Hay, and onward. Moshe 
The complaint here is about the long travels and the lack of food and water and the man itself. Once again, this is not the first time for these complaints either. In Shmot Perak Tetzayin, B'nai Israel complain about the lack of food and are given man. In Bamidbar, Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Aleph, the complaint of the Mitoninim, Rashi, based on Chazal, tells us that B'nai Israel were complaining about the long travels. And of course, in the continuation of that Perak in Bamidbar, Perak Yud Aleph, the Mitavim complain about the food situation. So thus far, we see that the new generation has repeated many of the complaints of the old generation. But furthermore, not only is the content similar, but the style is also similar, and this is far more troubling. The refrain of B'nai Israel in the Midbar, when they complain time and time again to Moshe is, it began at Kriyat Yamsuf. After Kriyat Yamsuf, when the complaint turned to food, in Masao Meriva, Into Sefer Bamidbar and the story of the Mitavim, and finally in Parshat Korach, Hamat, Ki Elitanu Me'eret Zavat Chalav Udvash Lamitenu Bamidbar, and here of course, that Hanvavirama referring to Eret Zavat Chalav, referring to Mitzrayim when they say Eret Zavat Chalav Udvash. With this background, we look into our parsha and the new generation who are supposed to be different we find that they are using the same refrain in the story of Memeriva where they're complaining about the lack of water and by the Nechashim and Hasrafim it says so how is this new generation more worthy of going into Eretz Yisrael if they talk and sound like the old one? I think that the difference is 40 years. It is true that the new generation are complainers. Just like the old generation. Or in the words of Moshe Rabbeinu in Dvarim to the new generation, Am ata. Mamrim heitemim Hashem miyom darati etchem. Bnei Israel have this quality. 
This is true of the generation that were Yotzei Mitzrayim, and this is true of the new generation who are going into Eretz Yisrael. But 40 years, a generation span, has an impact no matter what. B'nai Yisrael, the new generation, might be complaining about their situation, and about why they want to have never left Mitzrayim. But in reality, 40 years later, Mitzrayim is a distant, non-tangible memory. More than half of this new generation have no memories of Egypt at all. I think this, in fact, is expressed in the Psukim themselves. If we go back to the examples that we discussed earlier, some of the examples at least, of the old generation. After Kriya Yamsuf, when they complained about food, they discuss, Mitzrayim is described, Bishivtenu al-sir habasar be'ochleinu lechem lasova. In the Mitavim, when they're complaining that there's no meat, Zacharnu tadaga sharnochal b'mitzrayim chinam et ha-kishuim v'et ha-vatichim v'et ha-chatsir v'et ha-betzalim v'et ha-shumim. Datan v'aviram, we mentioned, refer to Mitzrayim as Eretz Zavad Chalav Udvash. Hame'at ki elitanu me'eretz Zavad Chalav Udvash la'amitainu ba'midbar. And finally, in Chet HaMeraglim, the idea of Mitzrayim is so tangible that they're wanting to appoint a new leader to take them back to Mitzrayim. Vayomru yishalachiv nitena rosh v'nashuva Mitzrayimah. The common denominator of these four examples that I now brought from the old generation is that we find a yearning for the reality in Egypt. The plentiful meat and vegetables. An Ered Zavad Chalav Udvash. And it leads to an actual movement to return to Mitzrayim. When we read the Psukim in our parasha regarding the new generation, we find none of this. There is a statement of complaining about the present conditions, the lack of water, the man, which expresses itself in the classic refrain of Lama Ha'elitunu Mimitzrayim. But they lack the utopic descriptions of Egypt. They lack the yearning for Egypt. Not because the people of the new generation are bigger tzaddikim, and that is why they can go into Eretz Yisrael. But because they have forgotten and finally freed themselves of the memories of Egypt. Something that took place 40 years ago. And this allows them to go into Eretz Yisrael. This might lead us then to the source of Moshe and Aaron's downfall. When Bnei Yisrael and the new generation used the old refrain of Lama ha'elitunu mimitzrayim, Moshe and Aaron hear a familiar tune. They've heard this before. And they think immediately that there is no difference between the new generation and the old generation. And though Hashem tells them, talk to the rock, v'dibartem el hasela, they see only the old generation. The old generation who understand only the language of makot, this old generation who witnessed the Makot, the Eser Makot in Mitzrayim, the ones who witnessed, who witnessed when they were lacking water the first time, Moshe hit the rock and the water came out. 
And therefore, here too, though Moshe is commanded, Vidibartem Elasela, he chooses Vayach Etasela. He hits the rock. Now, this means that Moshe and Aaron saw something familiar in the new generation from the old generation. What they saw that it's familiar is correct. They aren't bigger tzaddikim, according to what we're, what we're suggesting here. However, they are different. And that difference is that they don't remember Mitzrayim. And this fact that they do not remember Mitzrayim allows them to be able to go into Eretz Yisrael, what their forefathers could not do. I think this idea that B'nai Israel are different no matter what at this point in history and it was incumbent on Moshe and Aaron to understand this point expresses itself in the Psukim in a very interesting way we know in many places when B'nai Israel complained in the Midbar that along with the confrontation between B'nai Israel on one side and Moshe and Aaron on the other side Kivod Hashem revealed itself if we look uh, back to Shemot, when they complained about food, and man was ultimately given to him, to them, the Pasuk says, okay, Kivod Hashem was revealed to B'nai Israel at this point. In Chet HaMeraglim, B'nai Israel complain, and the response and they come to the point where they want to stone Yoshua uh, and Kalev. Vayomru kol aida lirgom otam ba'avanim uchvod Adonai nira be'ohel moed el kol bnei Israel. Once again, in the heat of the confrontation, kivod Hashem is revealed. In Korach, vayakhel alehem Korach et kol haida el petach ohel moed vayerach kivod Adonai el kol haida. And finally, in the continuation of Parshat Korach, when B'nai Israel complained about the death of Korach and uh, the 250 people who were Makriv Ketoret, Vayihi bihikahel ha'idar al Moshe ve'ala Haron, Vayifnu Elohel Moed, V'yinei chisau he'anan, Vayira kivod Adonai. What is this meaning of the revelation of kivod Hashem at these points? I think one of the main characteristics of the existence in the Midbar was the closeness to God. And the closeness to God is a blessing, but it's also a burden. That means that any time there was a sin on the, on, on the part of B'nai Israel, God immediately revealed Himself, there was an immediate punishment, there was, there were strong reactions, you know, uh, just like B'nai Israel, the new generation weren't greater tzaddikim than the older generation, necessarily, according to the thesis we're, we're suggesting here. Um, B'nai Israel for are always not necessarily the biggest tzaddikim, and they always do sins. But only in the Dora Midbar do we see such harsh and immediate reactions on God's part, killing people here, right, magefot, left, right, and center. And this is a direct result of the fact that God is right there. 
In other words, what, what we're suggesting here is that at these points of these confrontations, the Gilui Shechina, the revelation of Kvod Hashem, is showing us that Din is taking place here. God is revealing Himself, Lishpot, to judge this confrontation between Am Yisrael and God's representatives, Moshe and Aaron. Now in all those places, therefore, where God is judging Bnei Yisrael, um, we'll see that God reveals Himself to all of Bnei Yisrael, because Bnei Yisrael in, its, in their entirety are being judged. If we look again at the Psukim we mentioned, by the man, Vayifnu el hamidbar, vinei kevot Hashem nira'a be'anan. Vayifnu el hamidbar, they face the midbar, referring to Bnei Yisrael in the first half of the Pasuk, and they saw kevot Hashem. Okay. In Chet Hameraglim, Uchvod Hashem nira be'ohel moed el kol b'nei Yisrael. In Korach, Vayira chevod Hashem el kol ha'ida. And in the continuation of Parshat Korach, Vayira chevod Hashem. In a general way, which seems to imply again that God revealed Himself to all of b'nei Yisrael. In our parsha, Kavod Hashem is mitgale again. But if we look closely, how it's mitgale, it's very different. Vayavo Moshe veHaron mipenei hakahal el petach ohel moed vayipelu al penehem vayera Kavod Adonai alehem. I think an acceptable way of reading this pasuk is to say, Vayerachevod Hashem Aleihem is to Moshe and Aharon. B'nai Israel are not being judged at this point. B'nai Israel have gone f- f- through 40 years in order to go through the change which is necessary to make them able to go into Eretz Israel. Not, as we said before, not bigger tzaddikim, but, not necessarily bigger tzaddikim, but people who have forgotten Mitzrayim. The question is, will Moshe and Aharon understand this change that has taken place? Will they understand that they're dealing with a new generation that regardless of their tzidkut or lack of, they are not the same generation as their forefathers. They did not leave Mitzrayim. They don't remember Mitzrayim. They are ripe for going into Eretz Yisrael and therefore they have to be dealt with differently. And Vayirachivot Hashem Alehem on to Moshe and Aaron is will Moshe and Aaron understand this point and deal with Bnei Israel differently? Of course, we know the end of the story, and the end of the story is Moshe chooses the path of Vayachet Asela, Makah, the way that we deal with, he dealt with the previous generation. And this was not the correct way of dealing with this new generation. He had to speak to the rock. And of course, as a result of that, Moshe joins the tragic fate of the old generation and dies in the Midbar and does not go into Eretz Yisrael. I think we can summarize the idea that we've uh, discussed here today in the words of one of the Hasidic Rebbe's. It is easier to take the Jews out of Galut than to take the Galut out of the Jews. If Hashem took 
let's say, for argument's sake, about a year from the time that Moshe returned to Mitzrayim through the whole process of the Eser Makot until Yitziat Mitzrayim. Something that's a little bit difficult to date, but something along those lines, certainly according to Chazal. It took a year to get B'nai Israel out of Mitzrayim. It took 40 years to get Mitzrayim out of B'nai Israel. May we be privileged both to come out of Galut and have the Galut come out of us as well. You have been listening to a shiur in Parshat Shavua on Parshat Chukat by Rabbi Jonathan Snowbell. That's it for today. Shabbat Shalom.